all of these aspects in the presentation, creating a template for yourself, taking 85% of the presentation is in the first 15% of the time spent. So get it prepared do it now and get your template going so you can start making deals that you would not normally make. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, Best Ever listeners, and welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Craig Coppola. Craig, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Theo. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for joining us today. Looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Craig. He is a commercial real estate broker specializing in leasing and sales of office projects. He has 37 years of commercial real estate experience and 25 years of investing experience. His current portfolio consists of 17 real estate investments. He is based in Phoenix, Arizona, and his website is Capola Cheney. C-O-P-P-O-L-A-C-H-E-N-E-Y.com. So Craig, do you mind telling us some more about your background and what you're focused on today? You bet. So for 37 years, I've been representing office owners and tenants in leasing office space and selling office buildings. So 25 years ago, I started acquiring for my own account. And I tend to acquire stuff that's not competitive with what I do. I sell massive buildings, 50, $60 million buildings and do lots of leases. Our team does about 125 leases a year. So on my own portfolio, I've just acquired something that Bill Lee's our founder of our company. I work at Lee and Associates. I'm one of the founders of Lee, Arizona. And Bill told me something 20 years ago. And the reason he started Lee and Associates so that we could acquire real estate on our own account. So Bill says there's three kinds of deals. One, there's a market deal. Two, there's an off-market deal. And then there's a great deal. And he says, I only look for great deals. If you're buying in market, then you're paying market prices. Because I'm in the deal flow all the time, I get to look for unique transactions and encourage everybody to start looking for those, find something that you want, and then you kind of figure out how to buy it. So I like this concept. So I always look at, is this a market deal? Is it an off-market deal? Or is it a great deal? I like it. So what's an example of, maybe walk us through one of the examples of the best deals you've done on that approach. What was a great deal? What was unique about it? Well, I'll give you an example. I just sold a building about 90 days ago. I acquired it. It was an empty building and I had a user that was looking in the marketplace. So I acquired the building and during the escrow, put the lease together, signed a 15-year lease with the tenant and then held it for five years and just sold it with 10 years left on the lease more than doubled my money. So that's the kind of transaction where we add value to it throughout the process. Buying something that was empty, you could buy it at a cheaper price and then putting a tenant in it and then being able to hold it, get some cash flow during that period of time. So it was interesting. I actually refinanced it, pulled all my cash out. And so I was dealing with house money afterwards. And then, I don't know, I pulled a couple million dollars out after on the sale of it just a, a few months ago. How did you fund the deal? Was it your own money or was it investor money? I started out with investor money and now the last four or five years, it's been just my own money. I have not brought any outside investors. And as we go through the lightning round at the end, you're going to find out my best deal ever is 
one of my investors with the Robert and Kim Kiyosaki. So the Kiyosakis are an investor of mine. So I still have some older investors that I would do deals with. And as a matter of fact, during COVID, I raised about $25 million to just go acquire some assets. I haven't bought anything yet. The market's not where I want it to be. Commercial real estate takes time. It's not like the stock market where the stock market gets repriced every day. And the commercial mm-hmm. real estate market, it's a lagging indicator. So today, what we're seeing pricing on, owners are still hoping that the market's going to come back and everything's going to turn around and the vaccine's going to create all this new stuff. And those savvy investors are sitting around waiting. Let's just see what happens. And when it does, then we can acquire stuff as the market declines. Something I want to talk about that you said that was interesting was you said you started off using other people's money, but then you transitioned into focusing mostly on using your own money. I know some people, they spend their entire careers just raising other people's money. Obviously, they're investing on the side, but their main focus is other people's money. So maybe talk to us why you decided to transition and what benefits you see to using your own money as opposed to using other people's money. (laughs) It's pretty practical. Every time I'm doing this a long time and you and I are on a Zoom call so you can see that I've lost my hair. I think I lost my hair because I've gone through three recessions. And when you have other people's money and you're losing their money or your investments are going sideways, I just found I can lose my own money way easier than I can lose other people's money. And I feel a lot better on my own account. So I make decisions a lot easier. I don't have to report. I can handle it. So in the last four or five years, I just haven't. That doesn't mean that I won't. And if I'm starting to look at acquiring bigger assets than I'm comfortable investing in, then I would use other people's money. But I just kind of gravitated towards just using my own because it was easy and I didn't have issues. That totally makes sense. So you've been a commercial real estate broker for 37 years. I know one thing that a lot of people who want to get into real estate say is that I'm going to go get my real estate license. So I can sell real estate as a full-time job, get into real estate, make money from commissions have early access to deals, but not many people talk about, well, I'm going to go and be a commercial real estate investor and do the same thing. And so would you advise someone who is just starting out and they don't have the money themselves to buy real estate rather than becoming a residential realtor, becoming a commercial broker, or would you recommend them maybe waiting and doing that a little bit later down the road? Yeah, I'm a huge believer in commercial real estate over residential. And again, now that's my world. But the two don't overlap. The people who are buying, fixing, flipping houses do not do well in the commercial real estate market. So I wrote a book, How to Win Commercial Real Estate Investing, and it won a best first-time author book about 10 years ago. And the reason is acquiring residential is completely different than acquiring commercial. There's a whole different knowledge curve that has to occur. You're looking for different items when you're acquiring commercial. You're looking at different demographics that you're looking for and how the properties are built. So if you have a bent for commercial, I love the idea of getting into commercial real estate to learn it and become a full-time broker and or part-time and then learn the business that way. So yes, I would highly encourage people to do that. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. One of the hardest tasks to balance while scaling your real estate investing business is accounting. Well, realestateaccounting.co takes care of the numbers for you so you can grow your business and revenue. REA helps property managers and investors save time and money by automating back office, financial, admin, and accounting. Starting is quick and seamless from accounts payable to reconciliations, taxes, and reporting. 
Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever to find out how REA clients save on average 30% by leveraging their accounting services versus hiring in-house. With CPAs on staff and being owner-operators themselves, REA knows the challenges of your growing real estate business. Try it risk-free at realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. And remember to mention the Best Ever Podcast sent you to receive up to $1,800 towards onboarding and services. That's realestateaccounting.co forward slash best ever. You mentioned before we got on about the importance of presentations and you had some tips you wanted to provide people with. So you want to quickly maybe introduce what you're talking about, why it's important and what your tips are? You bet. So one of the interesting things when I talk to Joe is what do you guys do a little bit differently that people don't ever talk about? And I've never seen this on any podcast before, no one talks about the actual presentation. If you think about it, every time you're going to acquire a property, there's three or four or five different presentations that you're doing. One, you're doing a presentation to people who you're getting money from. If you're using other people's money, you got to go present yourself, not only yourself, your plan. Two, you have to go get a lender because not everybody's buying cash. They're going to go get a lender. Three, you have to get the seller. And people don't think about this In today's marketplace, there's a lot of people out doing the same thing. And then you're going to go in and go, okay, I'm the real buyer. And the next guy is going to come in and say, well, I'm the real buyer. So there's this presentation to why should the seller accept your offer over them? And that's actually a presentation. And then there's quarterly investor updates. I just said to you that I didn't like doing the quarterly investor updates. And then finally, there's a fifth presentation that occurs when you sell your property. So people think about it. Yeah, I know I have to go and get a lender, but that's a presentation. That's just not filling out a credit app. And I know I have to sell the property where I put the brochure together, but these three in the middle can really make or break you. So I like to say, look, start thinking about all of these aspects in the presentation, creating a template for yourself, taking 85% of the presentation is in the first 15% of the time spent. So get it prepared do it now and get your template going so you can start making deals that you would not normally make. So I thought that was pretty interesting because when we get a lot of investors come in, they don't think about that. We'll get some napkin, right, Theo? Yeah, totally. Something I've been focusing on a little bit on the blog lately too is writing out different things to make sure you're accounting for in your presentation to investors, ways to present an offer to the seller. But one thing that, as you mentioned, people don't talk about is the selling of the property because a lot of people focus on the beginning parts of the investment, the raising the money, and getting the funding, having the experience, finding the deals, and then maybe a little bit on closing, sometimes a little bit on asset management, but then the back and the selling, which is where the most money is made, is pretty important too. So maybe we'll pick that one to expand on. What are some of the best practices when you're doing that last, fifth, and final presentation? A good thought here. You acquire a property, we add value to the property. We either lease it, we renovate it, we make the management changes to it. We make more efficient operating. All of those things. Everybody now knows what you bought the property for. So let's say you bought the property a million dollars and now you have it in the market at three million. And people go, well, that's just what I want. It's like, no, no, here's what I've done. I've owned this property for five years. So let's just go back to the one I just sold, right? I bought the property at $2 million. I put about $650,000 of my own money in it. So let's say now I have a 2650000 I've got the tenant into the building now. So the building's been renovated. So when I sold it, they go, well, you bought it for $2 million. I go, yep. And here's $650,000 that I put in cash. And it was an empty building. 
So I put new roofs, new air conditioning units. So we have this upgraded list. So this is just basis. Now I have cash flow and I have a tenant. So we put together our tenant. Here's our tenant. Here's the credit of our tenant. Here's what the cash flow is going to do. So now instead of buying an asset on basic, what's it worth empty, we're now selling it on a cap rate. So I put together this whole timeline that said, here's all the value that I added in each step of the way. And then I've seasoned the building. I signed a 15-year lease. I've owned it for five years. There's still 10 years left on it. So it shows that there's a history of the tenant paying. And when the investors came in to look at the purchase, there was no question that this is valued at what it was, that I added value to it. So a lot of times people go, well, yeah, I just got a good buy. And so I'm flipping it to you because I put paint and carpet on it. That's not what we do. That's not how it's going to sell. Savvy investors will get beyond that. And then tactically, what does that presentation look like? Because so when you talk about that timeline of when you bought it, how much you invested into and all the other advantages of this property and why it's valued the way that it was valued, why you set that as a sales price. Is that a conversation? Is that in the offer memorandum? Is it in graphical form or is it written out? How specifically is that communicated to would-be sellers? In the offering memorandum, it's not in there. But you know the question is going to come up. So on this property, it had some cracks in them. I knew that question was going to come up. So I just got a phone call right before this. And our job is to have the answers to those questions. And it's shocking to me how many times people don't. It's like, when you bought this, you knew it was cracking. Did you have somebody look at it? Like, yeah, yeah, we had the cracking. Here's the report. We have this in the parking lot. Here's this. We have this. Here's this. So we like to take it down the road. Say, here's the offering memorandum, which is the pretty brochures and the cash flows and all that. Great. But here's the next five questions. And if you don't have an answer, you'll know in the first five people that you show it to what all the questions are going to be. Sure. And the minute you get that question, you go, let me get the answer to you. And then I'll put it into a cool form. So now I've got it for the next buyer, the next buyer, the next buyer. So as we start selling this, it gets better and better as we do it. Cause we'll have a question that maybe we didn't think we would get, but we'll have it. And then all of a sudden we've got it. So I just got off the phone with this guy and he was asking me a few questions. I didn't have an answer to on a property we're selling right now. And I was like, great question. Let me get that. And now in my mind, I'm thinking, Hey, I'm going to go on the best ever. So in my mind, this is exactly what we would be doing. Perfect. I love the idea of proactively being prepared to answer these questions. Yeah, I love that concept. All right, Craig, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate advice is buy great deals. If it's not a hell yes, Derek Sivers says hell yes, or it's a no. So many people get caught up in, I got to get velocity and go do that. My best advice is buy something you don't have to go out and acquire something tomorrow. Your money's not burning a hole in your pocket. I think you can wait and buy something that's a great deal. And it doesn't have to be a great deal today. You're going to hear it in a minute. The best deal I ever did, everybody knew it was in the pet, but I know exactly what was going to happen. And I had this long-term perspective. So that really helps when you're saying, this is going to be not necessarily my best deal today, but it's going to be over a long period of time. And I think if we start looking at, longer than six months for fix and flips, then I think we can look at a bigger, broader range of investment opportunities. All right, Craig, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. Let's do it. Okay. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference, February 17th through the 19th, back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced crowd and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning, 
the best commercial real estate strategies. You'll also be building relationships and, quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group of eight to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. You can get the lowest prices right now at BEC2022.com. That's BEC2022.com. Okay, Craig, what is the best ever book you've recently read? The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel, H-O-U-S-E-L. It just talks about how people think about money. It's an easy read. I had a client give it to me who's really wealthy. And I want to give you a second book. This is geopolitical, but I just loved it so much. It's called Dis, D-I-S, United Nations by Peter Zion, Z-E-I-H-E-N. Is it D-I-S? D-I-S, yeah. It talks about the world and the U.S. not governing it. It's not on real estate, but it gives you a good perspective of what's happening and why what we're seeing happening in the world. And the psychology of money is great for just thinking about how we think about money. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? Well, I actually created three businesses, the brokerage business, the real estate business. And then I created 25 years ago, I'm an investor in startup companies and I have 31 companies. So I have a home office now called Habanero Ventures that owns all of my startup companies. So I'm already set up for that. And angel investing in startup companies is my favorite thing to do other than commercial real estate investing now. Okay, you built this up. So what is the best ever deal you've done? Robert and Kim Kiyosaki and I bought six acres of land at the corner of 32nd and Camelback in Phoenix, which is really a great corner. 15 years ago, there was a health club on it, 40,000 foot building. And it had the 17-year lease on it. We did a 15-year fully amortizing loan on it. And we got about 10%, and it grew every year. At the end of it, we were getting about 20% per year on our money that we invested in it. So that was a great investment. What made it the best investment, when the lease expired, we now had six acres of land free and clear at 32nd and Camelback. So the last two years, we put a deal together, and we just did a 99-year unsubordinated ground lease on that. Today, they're building... 250 senior living housing use. But we got a ground lease now that we're getting over a million dollars a year for 99 years on unsubordinated in front of any debt. So I think we paid 5.5 million initially. And now we're getting over a million dollars a year for the next 99 years. Pretty damn good deal. Yeah, that is a great deal. What the hell yes deal. On the flip side, tell us what time you lost money on a deal, how much you lost and what lesson you learned. So I lost over $2 million on investing in oil wells. Clearly, I didn't know shit about oil wells and learned a lesson on that. Look, I know real estate. I know startup investing. I didn't know anything about oil wells. I thought I could get into the business. So I see this all the time where somebody gets a nice win in an area and then says, oh, I can do that over here. Dentist sold his practice, built it up, and now he's a real estate investor and he thinks he knows more than me at 37 years in the business. So stick to your knitting yeah, or learn. That's solid advice. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Well, I've been on five nonprofit boards for 30 years. In the last couple of years, as I get older, I'm giving it down. So we do two things on giving back. One is on our team, I always hire two young folks that we train for two and a half years. So for 35 years, I've been training young people in our business. And then we turn them loose. So I give back that way also on these boards, on these nonprofit boards that I give back. And I'm really committed to our community here in the Metro Phoenix area. 
So all of the nonprofits I've known, I have clients that go build water wells in Africa, but my commitment is to our community. I'm third generation Arizonan, so all of my time and focus is nonprofit course. And the big one I'm on right now, St. Vincent de Paul. In Phoenix, we have the largest one in the world, and I'm on their council, which is the top five people, and we feed 4,000 meals a day. So Wow. Every day of the year, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, that is awesome. Last question, Craig, is what's the best ever place to reach you? Probably the best is just simple email, C Capola. So it's C-C-O-P-P-O-L-A at Lee Arizona, L-E-E-A-R-I-Z-O-N-A.com. Or you can Google me. I'm Googleable. Perfect. Well, thanks for sharing your email address and thank you for sharing all of your advice with us today. I really enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot. You talked about the three different types of deals and how you want to make sure you're doing a great deal. We talked about some of the psychological advantages, I guess, to using your own money as opposed to using other people's money. We talked about how you think it's a really good idea for someone who's interested in commercial real estate to start off as a commercial real estate broker as opposed to going the residential route because it's completely different. There's not really any overlap. We went into detail on the presentation tips, and then we talked specifically about when selling your property. Some ideas around that, the five different times you're presenting, and then really just making sure that each of those steps, you're prepared to answer the common questions. You know what questions to expect, and you have answers for those. Even if you don't have an answer, tell them you get back to them. Find the answer, write it down so you're prepared to answer that question from other people. And then your best advice, which I also really liked, which was that following up with the idea of buying great deals doesn't mean that you need to focus on the quantity of deals, but more on the quality. The goal of maybe buying 10 years a year could be fine, but imagining from your perspective, it's better to buy one great deal a year than 10 okay or, or bad deals per year. And so be patient. Don't feel forced to buy something that's not one of these great deals. As you said, it's either a hell yes or a no. And then your example of that would be that deal that you did with the Kiyosaki's and the million dollars per year for 99 years, which is awesome. So Craig, thank you so much again for joining us today. Best ever listeners as always. Thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.